otw.com. Out of sight, out of sight, faith. Out of sight, faith. So before I left for my trip, I started preparing for this message. And I put on social media something that I thought was funny. And uh, I'm still, it's still up for debate if anybody else thinks it's funny. But hey, I'm the preacher, so I think it's funny. So we're going to hear it. So uh, I put on social media the differences between a dog's diary and a cat's diary. I don't know if anybody, uh, I've got two friends that follow me on social media. So I don't know if those two are here that saw it or not. But I've all of a sudden become a dog guy. And uh, Denora and, and my daughters begged and begged and begged for a dog. And, 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 and we bought a dog. And, and his name, of course, is Senor because, you know, we're a blended family. I've got to give a little, got a little, get a love to my little Hispanic goddess. So we got, we got Senor, but then again, a boy from Louisiana has got to have a dog named Boudreaux, you know. So we've got Senor Boudreaux, and I've become a dog guy out of nowhere. Now, when we first got little Boudreaux, I anointed him with oil to try to cast out the foul spirits because the boy was demonic. He was awful. And, and I soon realized it's just a dog. And, and I've now come around. I absolutely love his little tail. And, and, and he is just adorable. So I thought this was cute. A dog's diary versus a cat's diary. Here you go. Matter of fact, who all has a dog? Raise your hand if you're a dog person, dog people, dog people, dog people. Down, put your hands down. All of you that have cats, cat people, cat people. Okay, we will have an exorcism after church. <laughs> so you be the first one in the altar. We're gonna cast that out of your life, okay? Here's a dog's diary. Here it is. 8 a.m., dog's diary. 8 a.m., dog food. My favorite thing. <laughs> Can't you just see the little tails wagging? 9.30 a.m., a car ride, my favorite thing. 9.40 a.m., a walk in the park, my favorite thing. 10.30 a.m., I got rubbed and petted, my favorite thing. 12 noon, milk bones, my favorite thing. 1 p.m., played in the yard, my favorite thing. 3 p.m., wagged my tail, my favorite thing. 5 p.m., dinner, dinner, my favorite thing of my day. 7 p.m., got to play ball, my favorite thing. 8 p.m., wow, I got to watch TV with the people, my favorite thing. 11 p.m., sleeping on my bed, my favorite thing. All right, you cat people. A cat's diary. It's day 983 of my captivity. (laughs) My captors continue to taunt me with the bizarre little dangling objects. And the only thing that keeps going is my dream of escape. It's all about perspective. I mean, we've got dog people here. We've got cat people here. And I hate to tell you cat people, but that's what's going through his little mind. It's all about perspective. Now, I've got this hobby that I enjoy, and there's several of you in this room, men and women alike, that enjoy it. It's fishing. I love to fish. I don't get to fish often, but when I do, I could just 
I could just get consumed with it. I love it. I enjoy it. And recently, over the last few years, I've, I've become friends with, with, with a gentleman here in town that actually now attends our church. And, and um, um, I want to thank, yeah, his, his, his daughter's even here in the, in the student section today. And he's introduced me to a whole nother level of fishing. I've always just kind of done what I did and, and you, just, you just kind of made do. He's introduced me. He's like this professional. So I get into his really, really high class bass boat and we go to this beautiful lake and he pulls into this beautiful cove and, and he says, okay, bud, that, that's the one I want you to catch. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, that one? Yeah, he goes, I want you to catch that one, uh, that one. He goes, you don't see it, do you? And I said, no. And he says, you need to put these on. And he gave off of his, of his own eyes, he put on me a, a, a very expensive pair of polarized glasses. Game changer. All of a sudden, I'm like, there's fish everywhere. I'm starting to see fish. I'm start, it's like, this is amazing. And, and you take them off, you can't see anything. You just see the water, the reflection of the sun, maybe a stump or maybe a piece of hydraulic or grass or anything like that. But you put those glasses on, it's amazing what you can see. You now can see beyond your own ability. It's like this lens that changes everything. Anybody other than me in the room ever had LASIK surgery? Anybody? Yeah, a few of you are honest enough to tell you. Yeah, I had LASIK surgery. Game changer. All of a sudden, I was able to see things beyond my own natural ability. It took some procedure to allow me to see clearer and see better. Everybody in the room, I want to introduce you to faith. A lot of you might love the Lord. Maybe you've been coming to church for many years, but you've never understood the concept of faith. Maybe faith has just kind of been this biblical word, this biblical doctrine, this biblical philosophy, but you've never got a grip on it. You've always understood, I think it's just, just kind of believing in something bigger and better. Let, let me help you on faith today. And not just an elementary level but I want to preach to you about out of sight kind of faith. The book of Hebrews, if you'll turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. These scriptures and also my sermon notes are available for you in your app, Calvary FTW. Hebrews chapter 11 verses 1 and 2, and I read from the Living Bible. Some of you are fitting to have an aha moment. You're about to understand faith in a way that you've never understood it before. Hebrews chapter 11, and it's not because of my words, it's the scripture that you're about to hear. And the Bible says that your faith is actually increased by the hearing and the hearing of the word of God. So when you hear this scripture, you're instantly, because you're here, because you're in the sound of what I'm about to read, your faith is going to be increased without you even knowing it, without you wanting it, without you even realizing it. You're going to be able to believe greater. Here it is, Hebrews 11, chapter 11, verse number one. What is faith? It is the confident assurance that something we want is going to happen. I am assured, I am confident 
that what I am wanting is going to happen. It is the certainty that what we hope for is waiting for us, even though we cannot see it up ahead. Now, verse number two is astounding to me, and I hope you understand the history of chapter 11 of Hebrews. Verse number two, men of God in days of old were famous for their faith. Now, I want to just come on in and lean into this little statement. I want to be famous for my faith in God. I don't want to be famous for my negativity and my doubting. All of us have that one person in our lives that whatever you do, you avoid them like the plague because they're going to tell you the worst about your life and future. (laughs) You're scared to clap because you're sitting next to them. We all have someone in our life that we just cannot share our hopes with. We cannot share our dreams with. We cannot share our prayer needs with. Because if if whatever we do, if we share it with them, they're going to tell us that it's impossible. I've told this story briefly before here in the pulpit, but I'll never forget one of the last few days of my, my Bible college experience. I really messed up. And I chose to handwrite out some goals and some dreams and some vision for my life and ministry. And where I messed up was I shared it with an instructor. An instructor that I just knew without a doubt in my mind would say, yes, this is awesome. It's doable. That instructor said, you, don't you realize that that's not how it works? And you just walked away or I walked away deflated and, and just felt like, Why in the world would he tell me that that's not how it works? What's wrong with having some dreams and goals and vision? What's wrong with having having a plan? Can I get an amen, somebody? What's wrong with that? Well, we all have someone in our life that is famous for their ability to doubt. But we can choose to be the type of person that can be famous for our ability to believe. We can have out of sight kind of faith that believes God's word, that stands on the promises of God, that believe that all things are possible with Jesus Christ. Now, here's how most of us in this room were taught growing up. We were taught by our friends at school that you got to see it to believe it. You know, they'll say, did you go to the ball game last night? No, I couldn't go. I was, I was grounded. I didn't get to go to the ball game. Well, man, you just had to see it to believe it. Did you, did you go to that movie? Have you seen that movie? No, I haven't seen that movie. Man, you're just going to have to see it to believe it. Most of us have that type of approach. But the word of the Lord is completely opposite of that. The Bible tells us that we do not have to see it to believe it. We have to believe it to see it. And if we can start training ourselves right now, starting today, on the 19th of May, 2019, if we can start training ourselves now to not wait to see things in the word of God and the the promises of God to believe it. Why don't we just start believing now that all things are possible and then we are gonna posture ourselves to see the goodness of the Lord. Y'all can give a better amen than that. 
Have I been gone so long y'all can't amen anymore? Somebody say amen. Amen. There you go. I needed it. We don't live by what we see. We live by what we believe. Because what I see is going to, it's going to mess me up at times. What I see in people are going to disappoint me at times. What I see happening around me is going to cause fear oftentimes. I can't live by my sight. I can't live by what I see. I've got to live by what I believe. And what I believe is the word of God. And if I will believe this promise, if I will build my life and not worry about what I'm seeing around me, but if I'll build my life with what I'm believing, then I'll start seeing it come to pass. It's not what I see is what I believe. It's what I believe is what I'll see. Someone say, I receive. I receive. John chapter 11, verse 40. It's not by accident that Jesus spoke this at Lazarus' graveside. Did I not say to you that if you believe You will see the glory of God. You got to believe it to see it come to pass. Now, let's talk about perspective for a moment. For some of you that like to handwrite your notes, I'll I'll, I'll give you four of these real quick. You can write these down. You can put them in your smartphone. And then others of you that like to highlight on your app, you'll find these. Let me give you four little perspective walkaways today. And then we'll get into the meat of this sermon. Number one, this is how critical it is on how you see things. Seeing, always following the belief. You're going to believe and believing precedes the seeing. Here it goes. Number one, how I view things is how I will do things. How you view it is how you're going to end up doing it. How you view it is how you'll do it. Number two, what, what I see is who I will be. What I see. Everyone say, I gate. These eyes that God has given you, the physical eyes and the spiritual eyes, it's critical what you allow in. Because what you see and what you view is who you'll become. You must train this natural eye and your spiritual eye to always be looking for the good, looking for God, looking for the healthy, looking for the spiritual, looking for the truth, the eye gate. Number three, when I change the way I look at things, the things I look at will change. When I change the way I look at things, the things I look at will change. And fourthly, before we shift gears here, fourth and final one, this is is hands down the best. Some of you need to write it down. What I believe about life determines how I perceive life, which determines what I receive from life. What I believe about life determines how I perceive or how I see life which often determines what I receive from life. Now, take out your Bibles quickly today, and we're going to go to our main text. It's found over in Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, and we're going to look at a few characters in Scripture, 
And we're going to see how this perspective thing translates over to a, 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 a very uh, forthright teaching of Christ. It's the parable of the Good Samaritan. Some of you are familiar with it. The Good Samaritan. And we're going to look at how these few different characters saw, they, how they saw life. Let me read it to you. Luke chapter 10 verse 30. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. And here we go. Here's our first character. By chance, a priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. Verse 32, our second character. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Verse 33, our third character. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. And the next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins telling him, take care of this man. And if his bill runs higher than these two silver coins, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Verse 36. Now which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits, Jesus asked. And the man replied, the one who showed mercy. And Jesus said, yes, absolutely right. Now go and do the same. Now I wanna show you a few different perspectives, how you see things, how you view things. And I hope you walk out of here today learning a little something and also, also adapting and changing and adjusting maybe your sight because I, I want you walking out of here with, with big faith today. Here's the first one, and, and that is the robber in the story. There was a robber in the story, right? Bandits in the story. And, and, and what we see here is their perspective, a thief's perspective, a taker's perspective is always what is yours is mine, and I'm gonna take it. Now, I don't have the time to be able to go down all the rabbit trails that that presents. But buddy, is that not a strong statement? Can we not go to town teaching on the fact that there is a huge push in our culture? What is, what is yours is mine and I'm gonna take it. I know you worked for it, but it's mine. I know you saved for it, but it's mine. I know you, I know you, I know you earned it, but it's mine. It's, it's almost the classic toddler story. None of us have to teach our children. They come out of the womb with, it's mine. It's mine. It's mine. It's mine. Just last night, my youngest daughter has a little plate full of chicken fingers and french fries. We're, it's, it, it, we're, we're a healthy eating kind of family. And... You know, all these whole 30s, we're, we're whole 30 pounds a week at our house. You know what I'm saying? We're all about the whole 30, whole 30. Not 28, we're going all 30 pounds at our house. All 30. 
So we got some chicken fingers and some french fries. And, and, and my oldest daughter, she's going to say, I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help myself to your french fries. And let me just tell you something. You got a better chance fighting Lucifer than Esme over some french fries. <laughs> she don't went Jackie Chan. Now, poor sailor was worshiping the Lord like this this morning because she reached for her sister's French fry. You don't have to teach people how to be selfish. Can I get an amen? You don't have to go to class. You know, nobody says, yeah, uh, how's your schedule looking this semester? Well, you know, I got biology class and, 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 and I'm also taking a chemistry course and, and uh, man, I just love my selfish class. You don't have to be taught how to be selfish. It's natural. It's sinful, which is natural. It's your, it's your natural bent. It's how you came out of the womb, selfish. It's mine. I know you think it's yours, but it's not yours. It's mine, and I'm going to take it. So there's the robber. The second one, we're going to partner up the, the, the priest and the Levite. We're going to partner up the assistant and the, and the priest. They, they have a whole different perspective. Their view, their take, their sight is a whole different thing. What theirs is, is what is mine is mine, and I'm going to keep it. We don't have to teach that either, do we? It's mine, and I'm going to keep it. Give you two things to write down. You can either live a selfish life, or you can live a life of significance. A selfish life will be a life that's built all about you. And guess what? When you're done, it's done. Or you can live a life of significance where it's all about others. And when your life is over, it continues. So we have these these first two characters. They didn't go to school to learn it. It's the natural human response What is yours is mine and I'm going to take it. And what is mine is mine and I'm going to keep it. That's why the book of Proverbs teaches us one of the most beautiful portions of scripture. Proverbs chapter 11 verses 24 through 25. I'm telling you some of you need to make this your scripture. This needs to be a sticky note on your refrigerator door. And it says this. One person gives freely yet gains even more. Somebody say this out loud. That just doesn't add up. Of course it doesn't in this economy, but it lines up perfectly in God's economy. The Bible tells us one person gives freely yet gains even more. The giver gains, the giver receives, the giver receives increase. How is that possible? Now, if that doesn't get your attention, keep reading. Another withholds unduly but comes to poverty. You know why? Because he has settled the fact that everything he has is enough for him. Well, guess what? The longer you live, the more you'll need. And all of a sudden, if you don't get into the concept and the beautiful understanding of being a giver, you'll always live by only what you have. 
It gets better. Let's keep reading. Verse 25, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. So beautiful. If you'll live a life of significance, giving of your time to other people, giving of your resources to others, if you'll enter into the lifestyle of putting other people before yourself, you will be refreshed. Pastor Tommy, I need you to come into agreement with me. I need the Lord to do this for me. And, and, and part of me wants to ask you, well, what have you done for him and others? All of us want God to blow our minds with his goodness, but we just, we, we, we live by that, what is yours is mine and I'm gonna take it. And what is mine is mine and I'm gonna keep it. If you're ever going to go to a whole nother level of out of sight kind of faith, you can't live by what you see. You got to live by the principle of what you believe. And what is that? Faith is the assurance. It's the confident assurance that what I am wanting and needing is ahead of me, waiting on me, and I will walk into it, and I will do so by my generosity and by my faithfulness and by my giving. Now, the Samaritan, the Samaritan had a whole nother perspective. We call him the good Samaritan. I think he's the smart Samaritan. This is what it, his, he lives by. What is mine is yours, and I'm going to give it. What is mine is yours, and I'm going to give it. But then can I just share with you what I think is the ultimate perspective? If you really want something to live by, everybody needs to write this one down. And that is, this is, this is the true ultimate perspective. And that is, what is mine is not really mine. And I'm going to manage it. Every single thing I have in my life, it's not really mine. I'm just the steward over it. How do you know that? Because if it was mine, I'd take it with me when I die. It's not mine. I can't take anything with me when I die. It's not mine. I'm here for X amount of years. I might, I might be here for, for, for this amount of life. But while I'm here, everything that God gives me, I'm going to manage. And I'm going to live by the Samaritan's mindset. What is mine? It can be yours and I'll give it. And if we can live by this perspective, if we can live by this sight, by this vision, if we'll have this kind of, kind of sight, what we're living by is faith. Everyone say the word faith. It's what we're living by, is living by faith. Now let's shift gears just for a moment. And I'm going to have our, our worship team come and help me close today. I'd like them to come. And I want to shift gears and I want to get really close to you, okay? I want to just kind of come into your world for a moment. Denora and I have some friends that we, we live close by. They're completely unassociated with our, our ministry. They're unassociated with our church. We're just community friends. And they called us one day out of the blue and I never saw this coming. They asked... We, we, do you have any time we need help planning for a divorce? And I was floored. I had no idea that they were in a broken position in their marriage. Well, being that they're unassociated with us in, in, in our calling and in our ministry, I just wanted to bring them into that. 
So I scheduled time with them here at the church. And I gave them directions and told them where to park and where to come in. And they came into my office and Denora and I were there and we were kind of nervous because we don't know them on a ministry level. But they sought us out. And I knew we were in trouble (laughs) when he sat on one end of the couch and she sat on the other end of the couch. And I thought, yep, (laughs) it's real. They got an issue. And then I knew we were in trouble when they both reached into their pocket and they brought out their notebook with their list. And then they both, they're of the age where they have the little glasses that sit on the end of your nose. You know, I'm like a week from that, by the way. And, and they started going down their list. And, 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 and I said, well, let, 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 let's pray. Let, let's pray before we start. And I'm like looking at Denora, giving her the, <laughs> I should have wore a Kevlar vest. There's no telling where this is going. Bulletproof. Um, I, I saw some of you like, I've never heard of that name brand. You're on Amazon right now. That's the hot thing. Kevlar. No, it's, it's, it's not. So I said, let's pray. I said, amen. And I said, well, who would like to start? I'll start. No, I'm starting. I'll start. I'll start. I'll start. I'll start. Oh, God. Oh, God. They're going to kill each other. I said, why don't you start? I will. Clicked her little pen. And she said, I don't like it whenever you. Well, I don't like it whenever you. I don't like it whenever you. And, buddy, they're just going. And I'm looking at Denora going. And Denora's like, it's just terrible. And I'm like, stop crying. I can't. I mean, it's just awful. And after a few minutes, I said, whoa, 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 whoa. Do me a favor. What? I said, you, you guys wanted my time, so let me ask you to do me a favor. What? And I looked at her. And I said, since you started, I'm going to let you start this. Can you tell me one thing? Just, just one, just one, one thing that you like about him. <laughs> I said, just one, just one. I'm, he's a hard worker, and I saw him, and he went. <laughs> now, if this was at the eleven thirty service, I would interject dang straight but this is not so this is the 10 so he's like and I said can you tell me one thing about her she's a good cook and boy you saw her dang straight (laughs) you have another one can you give me one more can you give me one more? One became two, became three, became four, became five, became six. Next thing you know, they're kind of scooching over on the couch. they holding hands out like this. Next thing you know, I'm like, okay, that's a little awkward. <laughs> we get it. Watch this, everybody. Everyone in this room, you listen to me. If you'll train your eye to see the good, you'll start seeing God. Because God is good. 
But what happens is we have a tendency to see all the bad. Well, I don't like it when you do this. I don't like it when you do that. Are those legitimate? Sure. But let's look at what's going good. I could tell you all the bad about Denora. There's only about one. She could tell you all about bad about me, but we don't have the time. But we choose to see the good. It's not by accident that Jesus says in Luke chapter 11, verse 34, good eyes come before good life. Oh, I want to preach to you before I dismiss you today. Any baseball or softball players in the room when you were a kid or or currently, anybody play a little softball or baseball? I love watching baseball. Just recently, I went to a high school game. I love watching baseball. I love watching girls softball. I love the sport. And it's never, it's never changed. It's the same sport for, for, for forever. It's the same thing. And some of the same things are done and said today as they were whenever I was a kid. Batter gets in the box. And, and you, hear, you hear this when you go to a baseball game. If there's a bad pitch and it's not a good pitch, it's not something that the batter wants to swing at, and, they, and it's an outside or it's an inside ball, maybe it's a little high, a little, maybe it's in the dirt, and the batter lets it go, what do you hear from the mom or the dad or the fan? You hear, good eye. That's a good eye. That's a good eye. That's what you hear. And I've come to preach to somebody in this room that you need to start training your eye different. Because this is what life does. Life throws curveballs. Life throws change-ups. Life throws screwballs. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It does. Life will be a little inside and it'll be a little outside. Life will scoot you off the plate. And if you live by what you see, that's going to be the rest of your life. Screwballs and curveballs and foul balls and change-ups. And you're going to swing at every one of them. And then you're going to be miserable the rest of your existence. But if you'll live with an out-of-sight kind of faith where you have a good eye and you don't live by what you see, but you live by what you believe. You don't operate in your marriage by what you see. You operate by the idea of a covenant. You don't operate by your ethics, by what you see. You operate out of your ethics, by what you believe. Your morality is not based on the environment you're in. Your morality is based on the Word of God. You don't see it to believe it. You believe it to see it. And some of you need to get a good eye. You need to change the way you're looking at things. Because if you look close enough, God is good all the time he's so good and if you'll start seeing the good you'll see God you gotta have this out of sight kind of faith stand with me this morning I want you to worship big for a moment okay before we go home I want you to worship big you're gonna some of you need to start seeing what you've been praying for but you gotta believe God you gotta believe God everybody say I choose today to believe God. Let's worship big before we go home.